Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Pop Crime, where we discuss everything from the gossip to the gavel, the latest scandals, trending legal dramas, as well as the infamous crimes and dirty deeds of the pop culture past. I'm Kiki Monique. If you follow me online, you probably know me as The Talk of Shame, your go-to source for the biggest pop culture stories and famous trials. I love to consume all the news, books, TV, movies, and other media and break down the stories so you don't have to. Every week, I'll unpack a new story in the pop culture true crime world, either something that's happening in real time or a reach back into the past. And I'll even have some of your favorite creators, attorneys, journalists, other pop culture accounts, and more on the show to weigh in. Love them or hate them, the Kardashians are going nowhere. Barbara Walters said to their face, they have no talent. They became famous for being famous. And the matriarch of the family, Kris Jenner, has been said to be the reason for the family's meteoric rise to fame. For years, Kim was the most popular, most famous, and the biggest breadwinner of the Kardashian and Jenner siblings. So it was a shock in March 2019 when Forbes magazine crowned the baby of the family, Kylie Jenner, as the youngest self-made billionaire ever at age 21. But that title didn't last for long, after Forbes started to look more closely at the revenue figures and tax returns that had been provided for Kylie Cosmetics and realized the figures had been altered to make the company look more profitable and valuable than it really was, and they published a new article retracting Kylie's billionaire status. The writer of the original Forbes article began to wonder if she had been used because shortly after her article announcing Kylie as a billionaire came out, Cody purchased Kylie Cosmetics with a valuation of $1.2 billion. Today, I am joined by that former Forbes journalist who announced Kylie as a billionaire, Natalie Robamed, who is one of the hosts of the podcast Infamous, which deep dives into some of the biggest scandals of this century, and her co-host Vanessa Gregoriadis to talk about the plumping profit scandal behind Kylie Cosmetics. Natalie and Vanessa, welcome to Pop Crime. Hello. Thank you for having us. First of all, I'm so excited and I want to give the listeners some background because, you know, people who follow me online and listen know that I, I love deep dive and I love like pop culture moments and like just the both of you have such like crazy, amazing backgrounds. You've had access, you've interviews with some people that I just think that our listeners would just like love to talk to. But Vanessa, you specifically, you stood out, especially because I was literally doing a clean out of my office. And one thing I never throw out are any of my old magazines. And I keep all of my old New York mag magazines. And I realize that you are the author of the Power Girls article that literally- Oh my God. (laughs) 
I don't even think you understand how that like affected me. Cause like it, like, first of all, PR girls terrified me and I'm friends with like a lot of PR girls from New York. Like they were like, but they like terrified me. And that article was like everything that I was like, I like secretly loved, but was scared of. And then that article, the rumor is it became the basis for the reality show Power Girls that, you know, was like really popular. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> they, you never got paid for that, yeah. that, that idea. <laughs> I never got paid for that. But that was the first article I ever wrote, which is nuts. But at the time, I... I wanted to be like the new Tom Wolf. I wanted to be some sort of like writer on the scene, like really getting to the heart of New York City and how it all worked. And so I was a party reporter. Like I used to go to five, you know, five star like black tie events in a gown and go to like the CFDA awards and go actually inside the event and ask like Jennifer Aniston, you know, what perfume she was wearing, like totally inane (laughs) questions. But I had all these publicists kissing my ass because they wanted like photos of their events to be in the magazine. And so, you know, I was like, who are these people with these clipboards who are (laughs) kissing my ass? Like, uh, let me figure out how I can write nasty things about them. Like, I have no idea what I was thinking. It was a crazy idea. Because then, of course, I was totally blackballed. I was like, I still want to wear a gown and go to the party. And they were like, no, 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 no. You're not invited to the party. So it was basically like a clueless sort of, you know, very like campy, story about publicists who tried to make an it girl out of, you know, somebody who was a nobody. It's still a story that like goes viral, which is crazy to me. Like once a year, I'll get like, I'll look at Instagram. I'll be like, why do a hundred people want to be friends with me? And it's because somebody surfaced that article. So I love it. And I'm telling you, like, I'm like, I like have been going through because I'm like, I want to clip out all of my New York mag covers and like basically like become my turn Mm. my office into all of these covers. And that will absolutely be living on my wall. So like, I just have to say, like, I love love meeting. (laughs) I have a blown up cover of it because you used to be able to they used to give the staffers at New York magazine just like a cover if you wrote it. And my son actually saw it the other day. And he was like, mommy, why do those women look like you? And I was like, oh, are you trying to say they're like mouthy 90s bitches? Because (laughs) (laughs) that would be people who look like me. (laughs) I was like, what? Oh my God. Well, like I I, I ended up in a deep hole. So I feel like I'm going to have to have you come back one day because like even just like reliving the whole Lizzie Grubman, you know, backing into 16 people standing in line at a club that she, I mean, the whole story is amazing. And I think there's a whole generation of people that need to hear it. So we will definitely, I feel like explore that on pop crime, but today we're talking about like the Kardashians, which they have infiltrated every aspect. They're going to be around forever. There's a million kids. Like they're just going to be generations to come. And Natalie, you basically are were the gatekeeper to decide like hey we're going to announce you know you into this new realm of billionaire status 
I want to take the, you know, the viewers back a bit, you know, you, you walk through this on your, you did like a three part, you know, series on your podcast infamous about this, but you start out by just like showing up to the Kardashians house. What does that feel like to roll (laughs) up to the Kardashians house? It makes you feel like your car is very dirty and not expensive <laughs> enough to be there. Wait, what kind of car did you have? Because I, I have a Jetta and I was like, would I rent a car if I was showing up at the Kardashians? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't care that much. But I, I, got, I have a Toyota Prius C that has like the paint is peeling off the sides because I just do not care about my car. I wrote these two big Forbes cover stories actually on Kim Kardashian and on Kylie Jenner, both. But the story specifically that we're talking about is, is about Kylie Jenner. So back a couple years ago, I was reporting this story and I drove out to Calabasas and kind of like th- the first meetings I had were were off the record. So this wasn't actually my very first time at the, at the Kardashian's house that I'll be telling you about. But, you know, you sort of drive up to this gated community and then the person checks that your name is on the list and then you kind of keep going through. And I guess it's it's technically in Hidden Hills, not not Calabasas. But um, you kind of pull up and you can't see much from the street, but there's kind of security, what looks like security, very tough, scary looking men with a blacked out car there. Uh, and you get out and you walk up to the front door and you go, hello, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and they you, like- Do you want to talk to me? Um, no, they, they very much, they did want to talk to me. I mean, it it had taken a little bit of, but they did want to talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly for the reason that you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, Kim had been really like, to me, the biggest breadwinner, you know, like I would think if anyone was going to like go into billionaire status, it would have been her, but you know, obviously to be pushing Kylie and these, and these lip kits that sort of seemed like they came out of nowhere. I mean, I mean, it's clearly the work of Kris Jenner for a specific reason. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's much in the Kardashian-Jenner family that that doesn't go through Kris's hands. Um, so so I, I think the thing, you're, you're spot on the money there that like Kim was the biggest breadwinner. And, you know, I, d- I did this Forbes cover story about her mobile game, which RIP, it just uh, got shut down. Kim Kardashian Hollywood. Oh yeah, people were really upset about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw some people very upset about it on TikTok and Instagram. But um, so she'd been making a ton of money. But the difference between Kim and Kylie was that like Kim didn't own her own business at that point, which obviously seems crazy now because we're in the world of skims and all of that. But Kylie was kind of the first one within the family to sort of be owning her company outright, or at least the, at least the majority of a company with Kylie Lipkits. And yeah, they kind of came out of nowhere and were very much a Gen Z phenomenon um, of these sort of matte lipsticks and lip liners. I'm sure your listeners remember the cakey way they felt on one's lips. But... <laughs> But yeah, and that kind of catapulted Kylie Jenner to a lot of money, though perhaps maybe not quite as much money as she said at the time. Natalie was going to, was supposed to be there to figure out if she was a billionaire or not. Like she was sent there by Forbes to assess her billionaire status. I love reading fiction, especially gripping crime thrillers or mysteries that are impossible to put down. That means I'm finishing books fast and constantly looking for another read. When I'm trying to decide what to pick next, I know Book of the Month has my back. 
Each month, the Book of the Month provides me with amazing books to choose from. The list of books are all curated by their editorial team, so you know they'll be good. First, I go onto their app to pick a new book from their curated list of five to seven suggestions. I am really excited about the books I chose this month. My first book this month is The Return of Ellie Black by Amiko Jean, a page-turning mystery thriller follows detective Chelsea Calhoun investigating a missing girl who reappears after two years, but she is left with more questions than answers. I also received Middle Tide by Sarah Crouch. In this debut novel, the suspicious death of a young doctor rocks a small town. Failed writer Elijah Lee finds himself fighting for his innocence when the circumstances of the doctor's death were ripped straight from the pages of his own novel. Book of the Month makes it easy to branch out into new genres and discover books you've never read. And shipping is always free. You can get your first Book of the Month for just $5 with the code PEDALS by visiting bookofthemonth.com. That's your first book of the month for just $5 with code PEDALS by visiting bookofthemonth.com. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You can choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you lose a button or spill something or just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. Get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code POPCRIME20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code POPCRIME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code POPCRIME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I'm curious what the both of you, like what your, you know, thoughts were about the Kardashians before, you know, I know you both have interviewed them separately. Like before you met them, like, you know, did you believe the whole like Barbara Walters where it's like they don't have talent They're you know, and then the whole, you know, they're famous for being famous. Or did you think that they were good businesswomen underneath it all? I mean, I think they're incredible businesswomen, right? Like they're amazing business. They're only businesswomen. I mean, that is their, their like, you know, their gift to the world is figuring out being like the best marketers, publicists, businesswomen that can be, right? Like, what else do you see in them? And they've pivoted pretty well. I mean, you know, when Kim came around, I mean, social media was, like, not the biggest thing. And she has been able to be one of the biggest people on – So, I mean, she she basically, I think, kind of taught social media what social media needed to be in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with Vanessa. I think, you know, there's – it's very easy for sort of older folks or, or people who don't 
who don't really see much value in them to look at them as incredibly déclassé. But there's kind of no denying what they've built. And and I felt that way when I when I went to interview them because I really have always thought that they're at like, like it or not, they're at the forefront of fame and pushing what it means to be famous forward and what that can mean. And like, they really are responsible for, you know, all these celebrities jumping from endorsing products to owning, you know, those businesses themselves. There are other folks in there who've really made that happen, like Rihanna and with Fenty and things like that. But they've really like paved the way with that, I would say. But what was interesting, you know, as you were interviewing, you know, this was in your podcast was really the first time we were getting to hear the actual audio recordings of this interview. You know, like obviously the interview been out, but like hearing Kylie and Chris actually interact was really interesting because, you know, you even talk about how, you know, you're asking these questions, you know, you're like trying to get to the bottom of like, you know, what are what are these numbers? And, you know, and really Kylie has to defer to her mom. It doesn't seem like she is that really aware of what's happening in her own business. Well, I think the thing that came to me in, in talking to them both is that like Kylie is very much the creative director is, is what we would probably call it. Like she's very in charge of product and thinking about what's going to be next. And she's an incredibly like intuitive marketer and knowing what her audience wants and how to present it to them in a way that's going to make them buy it. But Chris is the one that is like uh, down in the nuts and bolts on the numbers. And, you know, that that probably shouldn't have been surprising to me. I, I think the other thing that you really hear uh, on those tapes, like on the infamous podcast, is like that Kylie is incredibly young. You know, I think she was 20 when I was interviewing her. Um, and, and you really feel that like that's somebody who is co college age. Like I was an idiot in college. Like I couldn't have been talking to a Forbes reporter for a cover story about whether or not I was a billionaire. I would be nervous and definitely deferring to my mom <laughs> if she was my if she was my manager. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if you also think about it, Kylie has done very, very few interviews, right? It's like so our yes. podcast in Infamous is basically based on old tape recordings that magazine writers that had a ton of access to people they, that they generated when they were working on stories. So, you know, for example, we did Gwyneth Paltrow's ski trial and we had Taffy Brodesser-Ackner, who, you know, is like the showrunner of Fleischman is in Trouble, who wrote a very, very, um, like, sort of influential, hilarious piece on Gwyneth Paltrow, right? Like, and she talks about Gwyneth and their experience. And, like, when she went to interview Gwyneth, you know, who she spent several days with, oh, right? Yeah. She brought a cigarette, just one cigarette, and was like, <laughs> Gwyneth, will you smoke this cigarette with me? Like, you know, because people used to do that kind of stuff because you used to get access to people like yeah. that. And when you think about somebody like Kylie, I mean, the fact that Kylie even spoke to Natalie was a big thing. Kylie has really never done real interviews. And now, if you want to interview Kylie, do you know what happens? Is Some publicist is like, great, you can have 10 minutes talking to Kylie over a Zoom make sure you talk about leather pants because she's about to release her <laughs> line of leather pants. And we will only do this interview if three minutes are about the leather pants. And, you know, they pick who the reporter is. They probably not talk to me. Mm -hmm. You know, the mouthy 90s bitch is definitely not getting the interview. <laughs> and it's going to be like a pretty sycophantic reporter. And then it'll be over in 10 minutes in Zoom. Whereas like I did a story on Kim Kardashian where I, you know, was in like, 
multiple cities with this person. We had a whole yeah. off record, like two hour conversation at the Mercer Hotel where she just wanted to meet me and see like who I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that, so our concept for, you know, for Infamous is like, let's use this stuff, but talk about the contemporary meaning of these people who are still so meaningful. Like we just did Taylor Swift, who I also went to like many cities with. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, because I wrote her first Rolling Stone cover. Wow. So it's like, you know, I went over to like Tim McGraw's house where she was staying (laughs) in LA while they were like not there. Made cookies with her. (laughs) Made cookies with her, made mocha chocolate chip cookies with her, went with her to like the set of CSI. And, um... You know, in that case, it was like, okay, uh, you know, Taylor, actually, we don't, it's not as scintillating as maybe hearing Natalie talk to Kylie about whether she's a billionaire or not, you know? Like, everybody knows what Taylor Swift's going to say in an interview. But, like, these people used to give huge amounts of access. Like, that Time magazine story was usual. That's how much access Taylor Swift normally would do, like, 10 times a year with a bunch of different writers. That's what I was most impressed as I was, like, going through the different episodes you have on Infamous because I was like, exactly that. It's, like, that access that you two have is so rare because I was just like, that doesn't exist anymore. I remember coming up and wanting so badly to be, you know, an entertainment reporter. And I remember reading, there was this one article that stands out. And like, I I actually think to this day, I actually think it was Wendy Williams when I think back to it. Because I just remember it was, it was... Someone she was with a she was with a model and the whole day she had to spend with her the model had to go shopping and so she was like in these different like boutiques trying on clothes and I remember just thinking to myself oh my god okay so I have to be skinny like these were the things that were going in my head because I was like if I have to go shopping with the model for my interview I'm gonna have to be able to be in the you know those sorts of things but you're right like that is how celebrities used to get and it doesn't happen like that which is why like I'm scared it's gonna it's just gonna live in this bubble. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy is now people will write ghost-written memoirs that you're basically getting as much access in a ghost-written memoir as you used to get in a big, like, old-school Rolling Stone profile. But, you know, then they get paid, right? And the ghostwriter gets, like, five grand, and that's the end of the story. And, you know, but you're still doing the same thing. You're sort of channeling the person. I think that what's really incredible is when we looked at like our, you know, roster of people we'd covered or, you know, at least been like somewhat tangentially covering, it's crazy how many of those people are still relevant, like Justin Mm. Bieber, right? Like we were Mm -hmm. just talking about Meghan Markle and like, you know, the uh, nasty girl, like Sophia Amorosa, like these, there's, uh, Natalie has like, you know, some experience with her from Forbes and like the incredible thing is when we started creating all these micro celebrities, it made the celebrities that were real celebrities that still were willing to work, that wanted to get up every day and continue to push like Miley Cyrus, like Taylor, like, you know, uh, Selena, those people, it's just like, 
oh, if you were big in 2008, you could still be big today as long as you're willing to continue to push. And I would argue that it's those articles that did it because like I will say I don't have a connection with a lot of the younger talent because they're so being guarded by, you know, Mm -hmm. like even like their entire social media accounts are wiped out. Like there's no history. Like we can't know anything about Mm -hmm. you because we're too scared. We're going to get all of these things. And like, I don't know if they have the staying power, which is why I think that we're seeing a lot of, yeah, these people that just stick around for a long time that, you know, were in this very specific time and place when this happened. But also like a really important like viral article on you as an actor or something, it really can do something for you. Like, look, everybody made fun of Jeremy Strong for that article in The New Yorker where he's talked about (laughs) like being, you know, how he does like method acting. But you know what? That was good for Jeremy Strong. Like that made, he, now everybody knows his name. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there's this, you know, I think, I think there's this thought that, uh, celebrities don't need the press anymore or don't need good kind of long magazine features anymore because they have social media. They can control their image. They can do editorial photo shoots and just put them out on their Instagram. But I think there really is, I mean, and obviously this would be my perspective, like I think there is something to be said for being perceived, uh, whether that's going to be negatively or positively or a bit of both, because to have your art kind of looked at by somebody else or or your life looked at by somebody else and kind of filtered through a very good writer, I would argue can do something for you. Uh, but listen, you, Vanessa and I would say that. Yeah, no. And, and I would agree with it. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's the most unbiased counsel right here. But no, exactly. 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 Can you imagine if there was like a publicist for influencers right now? They'd be like, oh, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, but we then- can control the message. We can put a joke on Instagram. It'll go viral. We don't need you for the joke. But listen, but then then why, are, why is everybody doing, why? Are all these influencers doing podcasts and celebrities doing podcasts where I'm like, oh, you're saying a lot of things you shouldn't be saying. Yeah, because I think that like they're being told these things, but I think they have this innate, they're like, oh, but this doesn't feel right because of like maybe what they've known. But then, but it's like, then you have moments like this, you know, you interview Kylie for Forbes and it kind of turns into, I mean, I don't even think it's a milkshake duck. It just literally turns into like a completely different story because like what, it's almost like they think they can feed you a certain narrative and that you, you know, you won't look any, like look past that. And that's not what happens. That's true. (laughs) Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com betches. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. When Forbes goes to, like, vet someone as a billionaire, like, what is – is there, like, a standard template of, like, these are the things we need, these are the things we look for, or – Yeah, yeah. It's it's really intense. So uh, so before I was kind of covering celebrity and entertainment, I was on the wealth team, which is a real team at Forbes that kind of, like, figures out the net worths of, of billionaires, not just celebrities, but I'm talking – analyzing private companies and looking at people's stakes in public companies and figuring out how much all those things are worth, uh, including your Ferrari collection and your yacht and your jet. So uh, there's a lot, there's a very, very intense methodology that goes into it. As far as what you like look for from, from the kind of person, what you want are documents, you know, you want verified documents, whether that's kind of, um, an annual report from the company, uh, some sort of like verified tax document, all those kinds of things. So that's what we usually rely on. And um, in the case of Kylie, that that is what I did see um, from her company. But then when they acquired a stake of Cody Cosmetics, what it came out was that um, the revenues of Kylie Cosmetics appeared to be far lower than what I had A, reported in my story and B, sort of seen on uh, these tax returns. So either Kylie Cosmetics' revenue had done a huge nosedive since the year that I saw those tax returns, or they'd sort of been lower all along, allegedly. Um, well, so that's yeah. what that's what I was trying to figure out. So the tax returns that you saw, are we saying that those were just the ones that were created just for you? Or are these tax returns that were actually filed with the government as well? I mean, there's no way of knowing that they were definitely the ones far, filed with the government, you know, because I don't, that I would have had to get those from okay. the IRS. I mean, that's not what happened. But I, you know, the, the tax returns that I saw were for a specific year and they were very much, they looked incredibly legitimate. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that they were ones that were made just for me because to me that seems like an insane amount of effort. Also, there's all sorts of telltale signs of like, if you're doing if, if one were to make fake tax returns, you know, maybe some of the numbers would be really round. Maybe they wouldn't add up. Maybe there would be things that don't fully check out. And everything in those tax returns checked out. 
so, you know, to be honest, like, I, I don't really know what, what to make of it. I know people probably want me to come out and say, oh, I definitely saw fake tax returns. But I, I just still, maybe I'm naive. I just still can't wrap my head around uh, doing that for a journalist. Um, whether they were inflated in some way, whether there were other th other revenues going through that LLC, because the tax return that I saw was for Kylie's specific LLC. Um and whether it was a confluence of factors like her, the revenues of Kylie Cosmetics did indeed dip down a whole lot after that year and just, you know, kind of, it was a huge boom and then really, really fell off. I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a question that, that, uh, only Kylie and Chris know. And it, it's worth saying by the way that, so after I left Forbes, um, some former colleagues of mine did a, did a whole story on, um, the the headline was very provocatively named inside Kylie Jenner's web of lies. And they did a whole story on uh, sort of Kylie's net worth not being as high as Forbes had been led to believe. Um, and Kylie did kind of hit back and say, you know, what am I reading? Like uh, she basically denied any allegations in that Forbes article. When your article came out, no one, even really question the billionaire part. I think that, you know, saying that a Kardashian is a billionaire isn't, isn't a big deal. It was really the part where it said she was a self-made billionaire that I think people mm -hmm. took the biggest issue with. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like yeah. what, you know, what does self-made mean, right? You know, from, for most of us, we think it's someone who like came from nothing and built it on their own, not someone who was getting, yeah. you know, $250,000 brand deals, you know, when they were still in their teenage years. Yeah, quite rightly. And, you know, I, this is, this is a, a very important conversation to have. And I think the, the perspective and kind of methodology of Forbes at the time uh, was that you are self-made if you don't inherit it. So, you know, inheriting clout and social, you know, the, all of the privilege that she did have is different than inheriting a hundred percent of your company, yeah. which there are a lot of billionaires and stuff on, on the Forbes list who it's like, you know, they inherited this company that their dad or their granddad started and they don't even have an active role in it. They're not the CEO. They just like, you know, cash the dividends or whatever. Um, so Kylie got all sorts of points towards being self-made in this fourth Forbes methodology because she, I'm putting in air quotes, like started the company herself and uh, was, you know, nominally the, C the CEO of it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, to the average person, of course she doesn't seem self-made. You know, somebody like Pat McGrath, the makeup artist who, who started her own company, seems far more self-made, you know? And that's such an interesting concept, too, because, like, how do we put a valuation to the inheritance of clout and sort of, like, you know, popularity just by... Nepo, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's an interesting inheritance. It is. And look, like, I don't want to seem like too much. I've been accused in comments before of being like a Kylie apologist or something. Um, but, <laughs> I, you know, to me, there's an interesting question of like, what do you do when you're born into a family and you start being on TV at age 11? Like, can you consent? to that like as a child being put on television like did you consent to this life like 
she she deserves every, every penny she's getting for having to like grow up like this, doesn't she? <laughs> I mean, yeah, come I mean, on. But I think, but I also the other point I want to make is like I think that this this debate over self made and and the kind of rage that it that it brings out is is really a much deeper one about where we are in society and class and kind of. It really intense class anxiety, if not like outright class war that we find ourselves in, where there's so we're so divided into the haves and have nots, like the people who can afford to have DoorDash delivered and the people who have to do the DoorDash deliverings, you know, that is that is where this rage and kind of debate over this comes from. You know, you leave Forbes and another author comes along and it's pretty normal for Forbes to obviously, you know, reevaluate billionaires, especially we've hit coronavirus time, COVID. So obviously lots of companies have lost value. And you talk specifically about beauty companies because nobody's going out. Nobody's putting makeup on. So just like the valuation of that. So this new journalist, you know, starts looking into this value and thinking that Cody may have basically purchased an overvalued company. So yeah, so these were, you know, former colleagues of mine who, who I know when they said that, oh, they, they actually kind of hit me up and said, oh, we're, we're looking into this as a thing. Like, do you have any other notes? And I was sort of like, you know everything I know. Like, this is all the kind of the information that I have. Like, go forth and, and, and see what you find. Um, and yeah, I think really it was a combination of like, this was a point uh, with COVID where the overall the valuations of beauty companies were going down. Um, and then what was specifically outlined in, in these Cody disclosures, uh, were that Kylie Cosmetics kind of had lower revenue. So just to back up a second, when a public company like buys a private company or acquires a stake in a private company like Kylie Cosmetics, you know, they sort of have to make certain disclosures to their shareholders. And part of what was disclosed again, as I'm said, uh, made it appear that the company, Kylie Cosmetics had lower revenues than Forbes had been led to believe. Now, I mean, obviously we're all familiar with the concept of fake it till you make it. I think that anyone who is like me, I'm like a creator, I'm an entrepreneur, and we know that we have to sort of like put on a front in certain ways. We've seen this sort of backfire in multiple people, but especially when it gets to people who are worth lots of money. Like at what point does fake it till you make it no longer apply and you're actually breaking the law? Because it seems like, yes, you want to be as attractive as you can um, to someone. Cause you know, you asked Chris and Kylie, you know, are you interested in selling? And they, they were interested in that sort of thing. <laughs> and you even sort totally. of like allude to like, man, I, I kind of just made the best perspectives by like, publishing this article and and announcing you as a billionaire and now you're that much more attractive it's a smart marketing move but like i don't understand enough about you know securities and exchanges and all of these things to understand like when is it breaking the law and when is it not well i mean saying something to a journalist isn't isn't breaking the law and you know i have to assume that like cody will have done all their due diligence you know and like that's i i don't think you know, I really can't speak to whether or not Kylie Cosmetics broke the law in any way. I, re- I really don't think so. Because if so, the Kylie 
the Kylie Cosmetics acquisition would not have gone through, you know? Yeah. Like Cody is a very legitimate, huge company. And before this deal, and the deal did close. So, you know, between the time the deal was announced and it had closed and even beforehand, there will have been months and months and months of due diligence and going through all, all, all of the uh, kind of respective financial documents. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's that they kind of legally did anything wrong. I think it's just like, you know, maybe they misled journalists and mis misled the public, possibly. Um, so because that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I think. Chris is probably. I mean, that is her forte. Is like understanding how to work media, right? Like the reason they are mm -hmm. who they are is because like she develops relationships with media and knows the right things to say. And I think totally. you know, like if any to me that like for Barbara to say the kids don't have to, I mean, Chris clearly has a talent because that's a very hard <laughs> thing to do to be that savvy. Um, you know, obviously yeah. they took it, you know, Chris took issue, but look, when the value, the revaluation came about, let's be clear. She wasn't a billionaire, but she was still worth $900 million. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's sort of the, that's sort of like, you know, I don't want to say sound blase about it or say that it doesn't matter because it does and accuracy matters and, and being truthful matters. But uh, at the end of the day, Kylie and the Kardashian Jenners as a family are still richer than any of us could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I remember a day when not that long ago, it was crazy for somebody to be a millionaire. Remember when that was the status yeah. that was sort of coveted? It was like, oh my God, that guy's a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, we're, we're a billionaire with a B, right? Like this is so much more money than any of us will ever see or ever <laughs> even be able to dream of. Um, so yeah, but the difference between 900 million and a billion, it's a hundred million dollars. That's still more money than I'll ever see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, even though, you know, obviously the Kardashian or Kylie and Chris's peeps came back after that article and, you know, they disagreed and they very much were like, those numbers are not false. And like, you know, they never actually turned around though and sued Forbes and said anything, you know, and you sometimes wonder like, is it just because it's not worth their time or they just don't want to open that can of worms? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, I haven't heard from them or, or personally been in, been in contact with them, meaning the Kardashian Jenner yeah. since kind of over the last few years. So, so yeah, that's, that's right. As far as I can tell, they never actually did um, turn around and sue Forbes or kind of, and, and maybe it's just, as you said, it wasn't worth it. Or um, maybe they just figured, you know, they didn't, they didn't need to, yeah. like they've got, they've they got, got what things they coming from all directions. But exactly. That's the other thing is like they now have concrete, really real <laughs> legitimate wealth from this sale. Um, and, you know, the, they've only gone on to bigger and better things. I mean, look at Skims. Yeah. Um, Skims is doing amazingly and like potentially going to go public and all, all these other things. So, yeah. Do you, do you think if you ever reached out to Kylie and Chris today for an interview, what do you think? That, what do you think the response would be if you ever reached out to them again? <laughs> F you? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, look, like they are, they are very smart. And um, as we've said a million times, savvy operators. So I think if I was in a position or, 
uh, with a publication or, or doing something where it, it would behoove them to speak to me. Yeah. Perhaps they would. But uh, but uh, let's just say I don't think I'm getting invited to the Christmas party anytime soon. Okay. Well, I was, I was hoping to be your plus one, <laughs> but okay. Obviously, I would, you know, I would suggest everyone go listen to this episode on Infamous. It's a three-parter. And like, again, hearing the audio, I think is so... I loved that part of it because yes, you may know the story of like, you know, Kylie being a billionaire for just a little bit. Um, but hearing, yeah, her voice and her interactions with Chris and, and that sort of exchange was like really enlightening. And I, and as I was going through, I did see you had like a multiple part series on Taylor Swift. What are like, what are the, what are the, the episodes or shows that people uh, you want people to know about that are coming up or have you done? Well, I, I can't say too much about what we've got coming up, but I would say that the Taylor Swift series is really awesome because you get to hear a very young Taylor. Uh, and Vanessa did, as she mentioned, the very first Rolling Stone cover story uh, with Taylor Swift, like in, in multiple cities and insane access. So I, I would say go listen to that. I also think if you're interested in in Kylie and that story, you'll probably also enjoy the uh, the Gwyneth Paltrow ski trial arc, which we had a lot of fun doing. And then the other thing is um, all about Girls Gone Wild oh, and Joe Francis, wow. who actually has a strong connection to the uh, Kardashian family. Um, Joe Francis, the founder of Girls Gone Wild, was an old friend of Kim's for many years. So. Yeah, that series all on Girls Gone Wild called Boy Gone Wild uh, is also back in the feed. People should check that out. Okay, I go. I got to go listen to this because I'm always like, is this guy ever going to get out of Mexico? Are we ever going to be able to like bring him back here to face any of the things? Oh man, and we talked to we talked to the guy who uh, spent several years in prison for uh, abducting and assaulting Joe Francis. Oh so wow! There's there's. Include which includes a story. I, I won't go too in, into too much graphic detail, but it includes kind of breaking into Joe Francis's house and uh, using a the rabbit that vibrator. I don't know. Oh if wow! That. I'll just leave it there. Okay, I'll leave it there. Uh, okay, I'm going to listen <laughs> right now. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining us. Um, and is there anywhere on social people can also follow you as well? Both Vanessa and I are on Twitter and we're both on Instagram. You can go and just, if you just search Natalie Robemed, Vanessa Gregoriadis, you'll find it. Perfect. Thanks so much for joining Pop Crime. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Pop Crime is produced by Sean Kilby, Shannon Sassone, and me, Kiki Monique. Editing by Shannon Sassone. Guest booking by Ali Freelander. And be sure to follow me at The Talk of Shame on TikTok and Instagram and send your emails to podcast at betches.com. Betches.